Hello and welcome to the Movie Mouth Film and TV Podcast. This week we'll be discussing the latest movie news, film trailers and new release reviews with what should be called our Washington Family Review section. We have Denzel starring in HBO Max detective caper The Little Things and his son John David Washington starring opposite Zendaya in Netflix's lockdown produced Malcolm and Marie and our only movie review this week not starring a Washington and we're just fines with that is archaeology period drama The Dig, also coming at us thick and fast from the flicks of net. On top of it all, every week we discuss a classic film in our video store corner section, and this week we'll be heading deep undercover with Chevy Chase and Dan Aykroyd in 1980s Cold War spy comedy, Spies Like Us. More of that later in the show. This is Miles, coming to you live from sunny Miami, Florida. And as ever, I'm joined by a man who, upon our very first meeting, told me, What you looking at? You all a bunch of fucking assholes. Do you know why? You don't have the guts to be who you want to be. You need people like me. You need people like me so you can point the fucking fingers and say, That's the bad guy. So what you make you? Good? You're not good. You just know how to hide, how to lie. Me? I don't have a problem with that. Me? I always tell the truth, even when I lie. So, say goodnight to the bad guy. Come on. The last time you're going to see a bad guy like this again, let me tell you. Come on. Make way for the bad guy. There's a bad guy coming through. Better get out of his way. Say hello to my little friend. It's Phil. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, my God. I tried hard not to laugh during that, but it was slightly impossible. It was so weird that when you told me that, because we'd just met, (laughs) <laughs> and they'd lost that it? Cuban accent. I mean, yeah, I know it went. Do you know what was funny there though? Uh, you sort of at points reminded me of George Dugwenge from the uh, Phone Jacket TV series. <laughs> <laughs> if I could just have your bunker account details, it was great. Thanks for that. I liked it. I got octopus coming out of my fucking ears. What do you want, a junior G-man badge? Sorry. <laughs> He's in the room. That's a different film. Uh, how are you doing, Phil? I'm good. I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. I know when you say you're wonderful that you've actually been stressing out for the last 20 to 30 hours, but it's fine. Um, <laughs> We've had some technical issues, haven't we? We have had some technical issues. Watching you have a hissy fit live on Squadcast camera was... Uh, was a lot of fun i really did enjoy it made my day actually smashed Um, one keyboard up yep smashed one keyboard up um so yeah no what have you been watching this week you've been doing much uh well recently so i finished a series on netflix recently which was called 1983 it's a polish series which is uh polish language uh it's really interesting though so it's set in um it's set in an alternate timeline mm-hmm. where the iron curtain is still in place and like people live under a strict communist rule in poland um but it's got a really cool look about it it's set in 2003 mm-hmm. um but it flicks between 1983 hence the title and 2003 but even in like two th- 2003 it's got this weird 80s eastern block feel to it so things are mm-hmm. modern it's in the modern age. They've got, you know, touchscreen phones and stuff like that. But all the cars that they drive around are like 80s cars still. So it's like it's stuck in time a bit. It's really weird. But it's a really good series. So that was good. 
Um, it's cool. It's funny because you watch. You, obviously, you've got Dark as well, which is the uh, you were watching Dark, which is the German Netflix show. Yeah, you're now watching a Polish Netflix show. Pretty pretty soon, yeah. I think you're going to be watching a Russian Netflix show. <laughs> Probably. It's like you're moving <laughs> further further east. Yeah, <laughs> from the east. Yeah, uh, you know why not? Like a bit of different stuff. That sounds really interesting. It was really good. Yeah, it's a worth bit like watch. the Man in the High Castle, maybe. Um, I've not watched that, but uh, like an alternate, alternate um, present following uh, World War Two going the other way. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's really weird, but it's it's interesting to see how they've done it. They've done it really well, I think. Yeah, it's, yeah. So that's good. What else have I watched? Uh, I watched a Ken Loach film. I think I told you about this when I watched it. A Ken Loach film from two thousand and two um, called Sweet Sixteen. So that's about a. Um, teenage boy called Liam they're set in Scotland mm. and he's from a really troubled background and he's got dreams of starting fresh uh when his mother comes out of prison um it's really depressing but it's it's an it's a great film it's really really well acted but it's it is a depressing film the thing that really <laughs> made me laugh about that is that you when you text me that you were watching you were watching a, a Ken Loach film is that you text me on a Saturday night your time so knowing <laughs> know that you were sitting down there. sitting down maybe with a nice takeaway or a nice dinner <laughs> watch, should we put on a nice film love yeah put on a nice film what should we watch what is that Ken Loach film isn't there yeah pop that on what's it called Sweet Sixty. Oh, wonderful sounds fun doesn't it sounds like a John, <laughs> John Hughes comedy doesn't it let's pop that on Miles, yeah, I just oh. watched a really depressing film. I was like, what did you watch? <laughs> Ken Loach. I was like, mate, it's Saturday night. What are you doing watching Ken Loach? I watched Step watching Brothers Spies on a like Saturday us. night. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, it was good anyway. I enjoyed it. That's cool. And that was yeah. you. Other than that, yeah. review stuff. Yeah, so I, I got I got round to uh, a few things. Catching up uh, with WandaVision. So mm. uh, the Disney Plus Marvel show. Obviously, we reviewed it last week episode but i'm not going to go into spoilers but all i can say if you remember last episode my review i was certainly undecided because i didn't know what this thing was yet you were i was and then i saw episode four and uh by the time the the marvel the the, the kind of typical uh, marvel intro logo flashes up i was like my foot was in my mouth i was like this is absolutely incredible i love it right and and I, I think I was I was lucky. I've heard a lot of people knew that something might be coming because they'd looked at the cast list on IMDb, but I hadn't. I'd, I kind of held off from that. Yeah. And th- this was amazing. It was one of those really fun uh, moments where you're like, okay, this is now, I'm now starting to see the kind of behind the curtain and what's happening here with these kind of weekly um, TV sitcoms right. from from the, the days of yore. Yeah. Um, absolutely love it and i'm so excited for the rest of it and where this is going to take the mcu as well so right. um yeah i'm actually getting slight chills just talking about it Ooh. um i also i'd heard a lot of people telling me to watch the undoing on um uh on on hbo the undoing starring nicole kidman and hugh grant oh i saw um, the trailer for this yeah yeah about um a, a wealthy uh couple um, who, through certain uh, actions, are involved in a uh, a murder or a potential murder, right. and um, it it was absolutely incredible. I was drawn in. It's only about seven or eight episodes, something like that. Um, it's quite dark, uh, but um, 
absolutely brilliant. And Nicole Kidman, Hugh Grant, both really, really good in it. It's great to see Hugh Grant in, in a lot of these roles. He's branching out from the kind of typical rom-coms and you know Richard Curtis comedies into much darker material. Yeah. And Hugh Grant, fucking brilliant in this. Um, and, and Nicole Kidman, I have to say, she's... I don't think she's ever been better than than in the Undoing. And the really cool thing for me personally is that it, it was set around it's set around my area where I live in in New York, which is the Upper East Side. Yeah. So they're literally walking around like my street. They're like walking to uh, the Carl Schurz Park, which is on, on the Upper East Side near me on on the river, and like walking around all all the locations yeah. and stuff. So on on one of the days after I finished it, I went for a walk to check out some of the locations that they'd filmed, um, which was really cool. I'm such a nerd. Um, and then uh, I also, I've also almost finished Fargo season four. If you remember, uh, we reviewed that also earlier in in the you in, did, the, yeah. in the podcast. And I, it, it was, it was just taking me, it was taking a lot of effort to kind of watch it and get into it. I have to say, it's picked up towards the end. Um, I've almost finished it, and I'm actually looking forward to finishing finishing it now. But it did take its time getting there, and I still don't think it's up there with the best of the the uh, the Noah Hawley um, output for for Fargo seasons one to three. But it's it's got something something to say, and uh, I've I've really enjoyed that. And then just finally, I watched I rewatched one of my favourite films last weekend, last Saturday, in fact, while you were sitting down to uh, to get depressed. <coughs> um, I, uh, I I watched uh, Wes Anderson's The Royal Tenenbaums. Oh yeah, um, which is in my top ten favorite movies of all time hadn't seen it in a long time actually yeah um, seen it found once, a good you've only seen it once yeah, yeah found it found a really good um kind of stream stream of that um really good high quality high, uh, high definition stream of that and oh i just fell in love with that film all over again it is it's a it's a masterwork it's genius it's absolutely genius that film mm. um love it so much and obviously anything with a dysfunctional family of course uh speaks to me so um <laughs> So yeah, so no, I did really, really. Uh, I had a really good week of watching a lot of decent content. It was really snowy in New York, so I was in basically stuck indoors for most of it. So it was good to get in, get on with that. And we've had also a lot of um, a lot of new releases as well to sit down and, and review. So um, without much further ado, let's jump into the news section. Yeah. Um, I, I think I'll, I'll get us started off, Phil, if if you don't mind. Yeah, um, you've probably got better news than I have, to be fair. <laughs> well, I mean, I'll, I'll just I'll obviously just hinder on the really sad news uh of the passing of christopher Plummer, mm. um who died this week aged 91 uh so bloody good innings yeah um but for those of you you know i probably those of you that would know him best um would probably be you know from uh the sound of music where he played uh captain von trapp yeah um you know in the uh in the in the original or the baron von trapp um, in the in the adaptation of the the play um, opposite uh, Julie Andrews um, and of course you know he, he's been in so much later really really kind of owned that elder statesman role um, really really well like, like the Max von, like a bit like a Max von Sydow how he kind of moved into those those elder statesman roles obviously passed away um, very recently as well mm. um, but but you know Christopher Plummer you know really I think the last few years really has put out some amazing amazing films you know you could even point to you know disney's disney pixar's up um that, that he was absolutely fantastic in uh, and and most recently one of the biggest surprises of 2019 for me um was uh ryan johnson's uh, knives out uh, right. where he he starred as the, the kind of fam- family 
patriarch of uh, of that pl- of that movie and really got the plot going in that and um in, in in so many different things i mean even you know recently all the money in the world the ridley scott movie where following the um a lot of the furore around um kevin spacey's should we say actions in in his private life mm. um was originally playing originally playing the lead role um the film got shot edited produced ready to go and was then replaced by ridley scott and uh, they they reshot all of those scenes and they brought uh, christopher Plummer in to um to to replace spacey uh, and i think he was in his you know late 80s at this point and of course he was nominated for an oscar at that point so um uh, you know real sad news not not so much of a shock obviously you know he was he was old and he, you know but but certainly one of those kind of safe steady pair of hands that i think boosted any movie he was in by at least 20 25% yeah and uh you know will certainly be will certainly be missed and uh, but certainly go back and watch any of those films if you uh if you'd like to honor the the late great man definitely so that was that for me well it's it's slightly less serious news i'm afraid uh i've got the uh news that um danny devito has come out and said that uh the twins 2 script is still in development <laughs> even though, <laughs> even though the sequel was announced in 2012 yakety yak <laughs> don't talk back <laughs> so yeah uh obviously twins 2 being the sequel to the 1988 ivan reitman comedy featuring arnold schwarzenegger and danny devito as jules t- twins vincent and julia um did you know that twins was the fifth highest grossing film of 1988 i do now and that was no small feat because it had some stiff competition that year with the likes of Die Hard, Big, and Coming to America as well. Well, that I mean, what a year that was! We should yeah. maybe talk about that year some some point on the definitely. Podcast. We should do a 1988 special. I know. Do you know? I know that um, Schwarzenegger holds that movie in such high regard. He does that when he when he has dignitaries or you know guests that visit him at his his house or his office. He he provides them with a small wooden box that contains his five favourite movies that he has made. And Twins off. is one of them. Yeah, for real. <laughs> Twins is one of them. Amazing. And uh, if you if you read his autobiography that came out um, maybe 2012, 2013. Yeah, it's around there. Um, yeah, he he has basically a whole chapter on Twins. Wow. And how he wanted he wants to make with Ivan Reitman triplets, so with Danny DeVito and Eddie Murphy. Well, they better get yeah well this was yeah see that's what i'd heard and mm. and i mm. yeah i did read that book actually but a long time ago <laughs> would you like a box set of my movies <laughs> yes please mr schwarzenegger <laughs> um so yeah i mean that's i don't know am i up for that maybe probably why not it's arnie isn't it and it's danny devito love him why not absolutely love him <laughs> um i mean i've got have you got more news no i've got probably the best news no best is the wrong word strangest strangest movie news you will ever hear in your entire life okay are you ready for this i don't know uh, anymore let me just let me just sit down let me just yeah, sit, sit down, down. so mattel films is reportedly eyeing rapper Uh-oh. lil yachi 
I have no idea who that is, Lil Yachty, to star in a live-action hip-hop heist comedy film based on the iconic Uno card game. (laughs) (laughs) Hip-hop heist comedy based on Uno? Yep. I know no more details about that. But I thought that was newsworthy. Well, that sounds... It, I, I mean, I thought you said you had more uplifting news. That sounds like the most depressing news <laughs> I've heard in quite some time. I want to know how the fuck they're going to do a film based on a card game. I don't know, but I just... I want to see little Lil Hutchie hit someone with that reverse card. <laughs> or that Yachi. plus four. Sorry, little Yachi. I have no idea. Uh, or, or with that plus, with that plus four, you know. <laughs> He's like, you fucking plus four me. I got to pick up four. <laughs> you plus four me. I got to go rob this bank now. <laughs> I need more. Uh, yeah, and then uh, we, you know, we, uh, this brings me on to should we tell the listeners our Uno related story? Uh, I tell you what, if anyone's going to tell it, it should be you. No, you should. <laughs> you tell a story way better. So we. I mean, it has nothing to do with film. And although now that Lil Yachi has brought Uno kicking and screaming into the film universe, we yeah. can actually talk about it on the podcast. It's related. Phil, Phil and I once um, gingerly and excitedly bought two um, Xbox Xbox 360 yeah. webcams. This is like 2007. And we used to play a lot on. Yeah, and we used, we used to play a lot online, and it came with a free Uno card game that you could play online, and you could see each other while you were playing Uno. I don't know why that was so important to see each other while you're playing Uno. <laughs> Very exciting, but it was. Yeah, and you would sit there, and you would just play, and you would see a little, you know, little picture, a little video of of your friend playing Uno, and you know, you could throw up a, you know, four fingers when you're about to hit them with a plus four, or throw up the one finger when you're going to Uno them, or th- throw up the middle finger when someone's beating you. <laughs> And we were sitting there playing. We had another friend online, the three of us, and there was a spare slot, and strangers could join at any moment. And this one time that we were playing, uh, somebody joined and uh, threw down a card, and then all of a sudden we saw their uh, their video, and the video was uh, of what can only be described as a, if we speak in emoji terms, uh, a deflating eggplant, um, which... Uh, I don't know. It was just it, it had been recently used. Let's put it that way, and uh, was <laughs> the most horrific thing. Phil and I were so excited to be playing this game, and the fact that we could see each other on a on a webcam over the internet, and to see this thing, it it basically it was like a Black Mirror episode. It was like, oh, this is where we are now. <laughs> this, this is it. This, this is, is our life. This is it now. Yeah. This, this is, is technology. And since then, the dick pic has taken off, hasn't it? I mean, <laughs> maybe he was the inventor. I don't know. I don't know so if we ever hope... played that again after that. We, I don't think we did. <laughs> I haven't even... I, honestly, if I see Uno in a in a, in a a toy shop or something, I have to just turn the... And move <laughs> you feel a bit sick. Or bit... throw them all on the floor you and run away. You feel a bit physically sick. Yeah, you want to run away. Or 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 eggplants or carrots or anything that or sausages anything that might resemble a man's phallus. Um, so thanks for bringing that one back, Phil. I've right. got one one other piece of news. Oh yeah, um, and that is that um, uh, Black Panther mastermind Ryan Coogler, um, obviously also behind like the Fruitvale Station, um, and uh, and obviously Creed is bringing uh, a Wakanda series to Disney Plus for Ooh. Marvel. So. 
Um, obviously, Wakanda, the home place of Black Panther. Obviously, the late, great Chadwick Boseman was in that role in the MCU. Um, and so they're going to be fleshing that out. And he's actually contracted for at least the next five years to be bringing this series to, to Disney+. Plus. So absolutely yeah. awesome. And, you know, off the back of watching WandaVision, I went back and watched uh, Avengers Age of Ultron. There are a lot of links to that because, of course, it's where we first find Vision and Wanda or Scarlet Witch. Um, and it's actually amazing going back that far to see the links to the MCU where it is now after Endgame and the fact that you have references to Wakanda. There's a scene where, um, oh gosh, I can't remember which which one of the Avengers it was, but gets the uh, the name wrong for Wakandan and says uh, Wakandian, Wakanda. And someone goes, oh, Wakanda. And then that's the first time it's really been mentioned in the MCU. And of course, you know, five to seven years later, Black Panther comes out. Um, you know, so it's just really yeah. cool, like really cool little links. So I'm really excited for this. I think it could be really interesting. And, you know, I'm I'm also really excited to see where they take, you know, Black Panther beyond obviously the late great Chadwick Boseman and, and where they where they move this. Yeah. Um, but uh, but we shall we shall see. We'll keep a close eye on that one. I'm loving some of the output currently that's coming to Disney Plus. I have to say they've really upped their game. So that was it in the in the news. Um, I think there's just for me there's one trailer to talk about. I think you might you may want to talk about this because I think you had more of an excited reaction than than I did, uh, and uh, not an Uno type reaction. But um, I was. <laughs> This is uh, the the new trailer from HBO Warner Brothers Godzilla versus King Kong, um, which looks pretty fun, Phil. It does. It's yeah. So it's the next chapter in the cinematic monster verse, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. Um, is that what it's called? The cinematic monster verse. It is now. Uh, yeah. So this is you know it's it is what it says. It's Godzilla versus King Kong. And um, it looks like it could be really cool, but also really, really terrible. Um, but it's got... Um, so it stars Alexander Skarsgård in the lead, I think, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, who you may know from, uh, well, TV... It's True Blood he was in. Yeah, but yeah, he's in The Stand currently, isn't he? Yeah, and he was in... Oh, he was in, Wasn't he in like, the film version of um, Battleship or whatever it was, which was terrible? Um, they did a film of the possibly. game Battleship. There we go. Another one based on a game. <laughs> Hasbro's Battleship. Yeah. Um, B1 no. to C5. You <laughs> <laughs> said that film where they did that. Was there a scene in the film where they did that? Um, the coordinates, B1. <laughs> it was something like that. I don't know. I reckon there was. I remember Rihanna was in it. Yeah, that's right. God, I've wiped that from memory, that film. Mm. But still, anyway, he's in it. Um, and. Do you know what this? I've got to admit, I got pretty excited watching it because I thought, "Oh no, here we go." And I watched the last. I did watch the last sort of Kong film and Godzilla film, the Brian Cranston Godzilla film. Remember? I, I actually what? really like that. I thought it was people, good. Yeah, it was really good. I, I, saw, I saw it in the IMAX, BFI IMAX, and I loved yeah. it. The spectacle was, was amazing. Good. I love like monster sort of disaster films, but th- this looks like it's got some absolutely amazing special effects in it. Yeah. There's some real good sort of set piece, and it's, um, yeah, just in the trailer. There's this scene where the sort of music builds up, and you see Kong on a ship, and and then Godzilla's in the ocean, and he's sort of flying towards the ship, and and then yeah, the music builds up and builds up, and then it goes all slow motion, and you see Kong like fly up and give Godzilla a smack around the chops, yeah. <laughs> and the music kicks off, and it's like yes, 
<laughs> it looks brilliant. And then they cut to some really cool looking scenes in um I don't well, I don't know what where it's based, but it's like a neon sort of city. It looks, you know, like Tokyo or somewhere like that, and it just looks mm. awesome. It's just mm. there's some real sort of uh, work gone into the special effects I think so that could be that could be good I'm you know it reminded me of that this trailer it reminded me a lot of the first trailer for Pacific Rim I knew you were going to say that and in when fact, he picks up the oil tanker and he's about to swing it like a exactly yeah and there in fact there's a little bit of a scene in that like where it's similar very similar to that but then there was a tweet from um <laughs> I think people got excited because Gilmero del Toro who we know directed um the first Pacific Rim yeah uh, which again I really enjoyed um, just his style of stuff like that and he got he got people very excited because he was like oh wouldn't it be great to see like Pacific Rim the, uh, and the Godzilla and Kong universe sort of put together yeah um, it's, it's also Warner Brothers as well isn't it yeah but then he did tweet after that and say <laughs> he's not involved in anything <laughs> like this that's yeah, just yeah. as a fan yeah. he'd love to see it but he's not you know there's nothing going on there sort of thing no. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I'm I'm excited about this. I think because of the the director Adam Wingard, uh, who's come from kind of a horror background. Yeah, and uh, one did of like the, one Blair of the, Witch, wasn't it? Yeah, he did the, the the remake, remake of the yeah. Blair Witch. To be fair, but one of the films I really liked was The Guest, starring Dan Stevens. Right. Um, which was really, I, I really, I really enjoyed that. And so I, I think he's a really good, he's a really good director. Interesting to see how he can tackle, if he can tackle this kind of scale. I must admit, I didn't see the last. Godzilla King of the Monsters movie which also had uh, Kyle Chandler and uh, Millie Bobby Brown who were going to be in this as well yeah which oh, was I didn't the see that I didn't know she was in I didn't know that okay right yeah, yeah no so you know interested interested to see I might I may now go back but what I would say about this and I don't want to spend too much time on it but um, it, it does have a lot of buzz around it on social media mm. there's a lot of memes there are a lot of there's a lot of commentary about this uh, people are actually excited about it which yeah. To, to be honest, when you look at you know Kong Skull Island, it was a great trailer, film execution. Unfortunately, not not so great. I don't no. think personally. Obviously, the last Godzilla movie uh, didn't do too well, um, although it did very well at the international box office. Um, the I'd say the one thing I would say about this, the real shame about this is, as I just mentioned, I saw that original Godzilla remake in in the BFI IMAX, and it was a spectacle. Yeah. This is being released by Warner Brothers, HBO Max, tangentially in both theatres, cinemas around the world, mm. and also on HBO Max to stream at home at the same on the same day. Yeah, and I just don't think that this kind of movie. This is the kind of movie that you should be sitting in a cinema with people around you, shouting at the screen, freaking out, throwing popcorn, you know, having fun on a Saturday night. Um, then sitting at home with you know on a smaller screen maybe with lesser visuals lesser sound and 50 percent of the impact that it should really be giving you yeah this these, is a popcorn movie it's a yeah they're made for, for for cinema these aren't they for loud yeah, i mean big screens they, they are i mean the only thing i would say about it is obviously i live in new york new, new york cinemas haven't been open in uh almost a year we haven't been able to go to the cinema in a year. Same in Los Angeles, they're closed, you can't go. You know, the only way you can do it is if you actually hire a cinema, which is an option that you can do at the moment. And you and your friends just go like up to 100 people or whatever, up to like 10 people or whatever it is. Right. So it's giving people the chance to watch it. But should they wait? Should they hold off? Like I will miss that cinema experience. I'm not going to get the chance to see it perhaps, 
you know yeah. so um maybe you'll so, see like a spate of things being put on again like after the you know when hopefully when things get back a bit to normal maybe they'll do some re-releases of stuff that came out recently so to give that sort of opportunity yeah, even if it's I, like a limited time release or something they, they definitely will they definitely will but it's going to be too late because i'm going to need to watch it for this you i'm going to need to watch it yeah. because i can see it yeah um and and I, and it's not really about that it's about the dangers for me of of warner brothers making this movie it's about the dangers of pushing people to home releases um at the time of release and away from the cinematic experience and we yeah. look at what's been happening with with amc here big uh cinema chain you know that owns odeon in, in the uk for example they've been you know struggling you know mm. on the brink of bankruptcy for the last 12 months um and you know this whole robin hood piece you know people have been funding them and trying to get them back in you know in into profit and so on yeah um on on that share price piece, which is fine but this is going to set a precedent you know and we look at paramount you know and we look at with you know the likes of cbs um all access and you look at, at disney with hulu and disney plus um and all of these other all the other big studios and i just worry that this is now going to set that precedent and people are going to start expecting content at home and that that experience that the reason that we do this podcast let's face it is because we've both had experiences where when we were kids or or, or growing up going to a movie theater and watching a film and you know i've got stuff that i watched on video that i still hold you know i i enjoy but that theater experience is why i love movies so much so let's yeah. hope it doesn't change that yes forward. well we went from godzilla versus kong and uh... all right mars we will not vanish into the night. We're going to live on. Today we celebrate our Independence Day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've got one more present. trailer. I've got one more trailer to talk about. Oh, <laughs> go on. Um, so I this... love your surprise trailers. I love these. Go on. Oh, it, but Yeah, but this is like a, a good one, not a shit film. <laughs> I could have talked about a shit film. Does it? Is it starring Mel Gibson by any chance? <laughs> not this time. Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, the new Benedict Cumberbatch film, The Courier, which is out on March nineteenth. Um, and this is yeah, this is based on a true story about a British businessman who helped the MI six penetrate the Soviet nuclear program during the Cold War. Yeah. So this, I'm quite excited about this from the trailer. It looks like it could be a real winner and. It looks like a sort of real James Bond, if you get yeah. what I mean. I don't know yeah. if you've seen this trailer, but... Yeah, I have, yeah. And there's even, like, the little joke, like, they give him, like, a... Uh, I think it's, like, a tie clip to... They said, you must wear this. You know, just a little snippet scene. You've got to wear this when you're when you're over there. And he's like, well, what does, does it shoot out poison gas or something as a joke, you know? Um, but it looks really good. It looks... Mm -hmm. Yeah, it looks really good. Quite excited about that. So... Yeah, it's got... It's got... The, it's got obviously it's, it's based on a true story yeah but it's got um shades of john le carré type mm -hmm. yeah. movie you know tinker taylor soldier spy yeah it, yeah. it looks like that it's got that kind it? of feel it's 1960s yeah. you know that is set so obviously cold War, yeah right? I, i'm i'm all for this i think it looks great it looks like a decent you know dark you know cold cold war slash 1960s set tense it looks tense tense spy thriller yeah adult spy thriller he's like a yeah he's like a uh you know he's a spy but he doesn't he's not meant to be a spy he's just a well, they, they say that he so he was a british agent that was responsible in part responsible for averting the cuban missile crisis yeah that's right between khrushchev and john f kennedy so yeah. there's there's a bit you know obviously it's it's going to have 
there's going to be an element of bringing that to today's modern world where we've been on the brink of annihilation for <laughs> the last four years. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, exciting stuff. Yeah. Really exciting stuff. March 19th, that one. And sorry, what was it called? The Courier. The, the Courier. Courier, yeah. Mm-hmm. Tinker Taylor Soldier Courier. <laughs> um, okay. Sounds good. All right. Well, I think with that, we'll jump into the review section. Um, so I'm going to get us kicked off, Phil, if that's quite all right with you. You go for it, mate. Do you mind? No, you, you go for it. Go on. After thank you. you. Age oh, before beauty. Well, well, thank you so much. A real gentleman. <laughs> Despite what everyone says about you behind your back. Um, so this is Malcolm and Marie. Uh, Netflix brings bringing us a slice of global pandemic produced content this week mm. um and this is with a with a kind of stage like um powerhouse performance from both john david washington and zendaya firstly i'll give you the skinny so this was produced during the global pandemic and lockdown of 2020 with just a 22 person crew however not as as far as we can tell is it set during the pandemic uh, which means it doesn't drag us kicking and screaming back to the family Zoom call slash pots and pans banging mind fuckery of last year, um, as we saw in HBO's similar in execution, different in concept, two-hander, um, Locked Down, starring Chiwetel Ejiofor and Anne Hathaway that I spoke about last week, yeah. directed by Doug Lyman. So this this follows the title characters of, of Malcolm, played by John David Washington, and Marie, um, a former drug addict and uh, Malcolm being a former uh, Malcolm being a current film director so they return to their modern Malibu home following a night at the screening of Malcolm's new passion project movie their relationship gets brought under a close-up microscope due to Malcolm's inability to thank Marie in his audience address after the film much to the derision and realization from Marie that the movie appears to be based on her own struggles and addiction with addiction and her life um so following on from your review of ma rainey's black bottom ironically also produced by uh john david washington's father denzel mm-hmm. uh we've got another slice of at home theater however this comes with a wholly original script and it's not an adaptation from the stage no. it just feels like a uh, theater production it really does yeah um so let's start with the script. So this this reminded me of the type of Patter and Aaron Sorkin script would deliver, uh, all barbed, unafraid to shock, uh, also rooted in the filmmaking world. Um, Malcolm and Marie are taking it in turns to unleash a rapier of missiles at each other as they attempt to win a tennis match of an argument over the course of one night. Really interesting, actually, how it goes from one side to the other. They never interrupt each other. They just no, let the other one it's monologue, like don't they? It's like a wall of, yeah, like, yeah, it's really good. Um, yeah, and it's also rooted in a, in, a, in a deep relevance to our times with references to civil rights, self-aggrandizement, and even a long discussion on dear old Karen herself, here portrayed in anecdote-only form by an unnamed LA Times critic, finally giving Malcolm a glowing review due to her self-wokeness. Um, Malcolm becoming upset with the fact that he's finally received a, a positive review for the wrong reasons. Um, I, I went in this into this only having a very limited um kind of window into the two and and don't get me wrong we never leave these two do we they're they're nope. always on screen yeah there are no other 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 actors in the cast it's just these two um 
Zendaya had seen in Marvel Spider-Man films, um, but here she's she shows more of the emotional depth and range seen in HBO's Euphoria. She starts out kind of cold and reserved, and I wasn't at the start necessarily convinced that she could she could kind of stand up to this kind of content, this kind of um, uh, depth in in terms of in terms of script. Um, but as the proverbial literal midnight pasta boils. So does her temper, and finally she ends up unleashing and sustaining an incredible and well-balanced performance between rage, deflation, and coldness. For me, though, it's John David who really surprised me. So I'd seen him in HBO, HBO's Ballers, which didn't give him anything to do. His performance in Chris Nolan's mind-twisting, or should that be mind-reversing, Tenet left me really cold, and... Uh, my ignorance is now fully shook by this performance. Mm. The range, emotional depth, and even physicality um, of his Malcolm is among the best performances I've seen on a streaming platform. And it's here where the real pity lay for me. This could and should be a Broadway smash. Um, To see these two tearing up the stage and each other on Broadway would have been a sight to behold. I'm almost disappointed that as the Academy will, will... view this as a breezy camera whirling production with little to say on the important topics um they usually prefer to award oscars to to those types of of movies that this performance may these performances may be wasted mm. um and i'm but i am really really looking forward to seeing more of these two especially as the jury was out on me on john david's tenet antagonist performance i felt like he didn't he doesn't do well uh when he has to play kind of cold reserved i think he needs more of this these physical performances, you know, the scenes where he's dancing and running and leaping and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, I've just other final notes from me, and I'll let you, I'll let you you chime in as well. Um, this film is it's filmed in a, in a kind of black and white stock, um, which makes it easy on the eye, and it's not just a coincidence considering you know the long monologues about Billy, Billy Wilder, Citizen Kane, and Hollywood's golden era. Um, that it takes so many referential points from. It also has an amazing soundtrack that I'm going to have blaring on on my Spotify this week. Um, so th- that's kind of really where I, where I kind of sat on it. Where where do you? What were your thoughts? Well, I just want to say I think that's not how you judge film intelligently by the 600 trillion different choices not made due to the intangible yet purely hypothetical assessment of one's identity but rather the choices actually being fucking made <laughs> <laughs> no that was a line that was in it and it was fucking brilliant i love that yeah. line yeah. um no i think so I, many great lines in this one so just, many and yeah the just uh, i agree just amazing work from both actors in this it's it's the kind of film where you know there's there's long speeches really long ones with no cuts it's like full you know there's there's i think at the beginning like one i noticed it's quite early on there's probably a good sort of five ten minute scene where it was no cuts uh and you just this just makes you appreciate the talent that have given this kind of performance like to memorize Mm. the the rant as you were saying the rant he goes on about that positive review that he gets yeah like he is going off on one isn't he outside yeah. you know he's he sort of he pacing in and out of the house he actually collapses yeah he collapses at the end of it basically yeah and yeah. it's just incredible like to be able to memorize lines like that you know and this there's some real sort of um technical speech in this it's not you know it's not just straight it's it's really really good the performances yeah. are fantastic in it 
I'll never look at someone eating macaroni cheese in the same way as he does either. As well. <laughs> <laughs> He's like a caged animal. I love animal. that scene. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and then he goes back for more. <laughs> yeah, it was, it's really good. I probably should have watched... I watched, I watched the, uh, I watched Spies Like Us, and then I watched this. I, I, I sort of wish I did it the other way around. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I chose to watch it the other way around. I yeah. watched this on on a plane, in fact. Wow. And yeah. um, there, there is a, there is some scenes of like kind of partial nudity, and the two people sitting next to me were having a field day watching me watch this. Yeah, but oh, do you like, know what? They, I they kept looking at my screen, happened. and we were like yeah. looking at each other, laughing. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting as well because obviously, no doubt, if you watch that on the plane, you watched it on your own. But I watched this with. My wife. Did you have a massive argument? After? <laughs> Why don't you ever thank me? Phil? I was like, Why aren't you making me macaroni and cheese? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, as I said, I don't think this will be for everyone, especially no. those of you who, you know, as we just said, you might find that the stuck in one building together vitriolic arguments a little bit too close to home at the moment. You yeah. know, if you've been, hot, you know, hold up with somebody for the last year. Um, but for for movie lovers, fans of the craft, fans of the theatre, or those with more than just positive things to say about relationships, I wholly recommend Malcolm and Marie. I don't think it's a an outright masterpiece. I probably won't watch it again. I can't imagine. Mm. Um, but I I do think it's it's worth a watch if you like your your films dialogue heavy. Um, so I'm I I wholly recommend it. I'm I'm off to smoke a fictional cigarette and drink a glass of whiskey while staring into the dark and contemplating the toxicity that we saw in this film. <laughs> Recommended. Yeah. So Malcolm and Marie is available on Netflix everywhere right now. Philip. Yes. Do you dig? I dig. Uh <laughs> So I watched the uh, new, it's also Netflix as well, actually, it was, um, and released recently, uh, The Dig, starring uh, Ralph Fiennes. Um, so it's a, it's a new... You're the only person I've ever met that calls him Ralph Fiennes and not Rafe Fiennes. Oh, Ralph, King Ralph, King Ralph Fiennes, Rafe, Ralph, whatever. It's Fiennes, it's Fiennes, carry on. <laughs> it's Fiennes. Um... <laughs> so yeah, it's the new drama, uh, and it's based on the 2007 novel of the same name by John Preston, which reimagines the events uh, around the famous 1939 archaeological excavation uh, and discovery of an Anglo-Saxon burial ship in Sutton Hoo, which is in Suffolk in England for those not sure as i wasn't <laughs> but yes in suffolk um so rafe ralph finds <laughs> he plays uh basil brown he's like a a pipe smoking self-assured uh he's a man of few words uh and he's a self-taught um working class excavator and not archaeologist as he refers to himself throughout the film as an excavator um and he's been hired by the recently widowed local landowner Edith Pretty, um, and she she's played by um, Kerry Mulligan, uh, to investigate the apparent burial mounds located on her property. So it all sort of you know seems to be going well. He begins to make some really cool discoveries when he starts digging into the soil, and uh, you know much to the joy of Mrs. Pretty. However, the excitement of the occasion is dampened somewhat 
when news of the discovery spreads and the big wigs from London turn up to take authority of the dig and the credit that comes along with it. Um, Ken Stott is in this uh, and he turns out and he's, he plays the annoyingly pompous um, British museum archaeologist that comes to take over everything and he's he's really good in it as in that role i really like ken Stott. i think he's great um so aside from the main story of the you know significant historic findings and it's all set against the back uh the backdrop of the eve of the second world war is when it's happening um we see the struggle of mrs pretty against her serious illness and the ongoing battle for uh basil brown uh to be accepted as a professional in his field um the film uh, it's also got some other subplots going on mainly set out in the second act of the film um and they're you know and they're well they're well played throughout but i, I don't really want to go into those so much because i think then i'd be verging on sort of spoiler territory for this a lot of people are going to go into this knowing about the excavation and the famous finds and things like that you know it's very well documented but yeah there's some other stuff that they've introduced to it which i'm not going to go into but it's well worth a watch um one thing i, I did find quite interesting though was that the choice to cast mrs pretty as a younger younger actress uh, in real life she was 56 during the time of the events that were happening um however like they've knocked around 20 years off her character i think and that jar yeah and it jars could, it could have been a nice kate winslet role absolutely yeah i mean, what I mean? It, it, but what's weird is it jars because the script has them toying with the idea of a bit of a, a love story that could potentially kick off between uh, basil brown and mrs pretty yeah and it would have felt more natural if, if they, they were the same, same age because but this is such a it's such a and funnily enough it's something i was thinking about yesterday on the plane how you know, in this, as you say, there's such a big age gap. The same with with Malcolm and Marie. You know, yeah. there's an over ten year age gap with John David and and Zendaya. Yeah, and it just Hollywood and and filmmaking for whatever reason is so is so deeply invested in the trope of older man, younger woman. Yeah, you know, and we'll even get to you know spies like us to talk about this but <laughs> God, yeah. it's just in everything and it has been in everything for so long and i just feel like they could just true up a little bit yeah i don't get it especially when it's a film like this that's based on actual events like yeah you know it's it's just weird because she's got like a um a son as well in the film mm -hmm. and he's mm -hmm. you know he's right because in history you know her, her son was sort of i think uh nine or ten at the time of them making the the discovery and so she was 46 when she had her son so she's 56 during the actual events but again in this she's i know the actress that plays her was um uh who did i say carrie mulligan she's she was born in 85 so yeah. she's around our age she's 35 36 and it's just like why why do that because it would have been a very similar age to what ralph finds is now i'm guessing he is around that sort of age 60 mm. you know 50, late 50s yeah um, she's I, she's married to the lead singer of mumford and sons Oh, is she? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. quick, quick, Carrie Mulligan aside, I once saw her in a play, speaking of this. Yeah. And it's the same with theatre. I saw her in a play with, with um, Bill Nighy. Yeah, brilliant. Where there was a was a romance called Skylight. In through the skylight. <laughs> and uh, she, I just want to, I just want to say this out there because this was the most wicked thing I've seen. One of the most wicked things I've seen in the cinema in the West End in London. Yeah. And she cooked a spaghetti bolognese live on stage. Wow during the play every night like every performance that she did and like she was chopping the onions and 
frying them and then you could smell them oh, in tasty. the it was crazy and then she served it up and they ate it should have given it to the audience <laughs> yeah i wish and for an italian afterwards yeah oh that's cool but yeah so anyway that's you know as, as an aside i think that's, that was a bit of a slightly odd choice but overall i think it was it was a brilliantly acted film it's 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 got a f- fantastic cast everyone in it you know there's no bad turns in this it's, it's really good and but ralph fines is he's on top form definitely for this he's such a brilliant actor and he does really well in this um so it's well worth a watch uh and also an interesting read if you look up the real events that it was based on as well you know the find is absolutely phenomenal and you can go and see the things they found in the british museum when it's back open i guess (laughs) one of the few things in the british museum that is actually british yeah yeah right yeah yeah everything else (laughs) bought from egypt or wherever yeah 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 uh but yeah so it well worth a watch for me um and it's available to stream on netflix now great stuff great that's one i haven't seen yet but i'm definitely excited to watch it i was actually wanted to watch it after your comments and i know that we share a me myself you your your (laughs) other half all share a love for all things archaeology so that's right um, definitely, definitely interested in watching that so on netflix now and finally, closing out the review section, or our Denzel Washington-based section, review section, is uh, The Little Things. Um, Warner Brothers HBO Max, one of these you know, straight-to-home slash straight-to-the-theater uh, releases. Right. The Little Things, um, obviously starring Denzel Washington as Deke, a burnt-out Kern County, California deputy sheriff who teams up with Baxter, uh, played by Rami Malek, uh, recently seen as Freddie Mercury in the uh, Bohemian Rhapsody movie, mm-hmm. who here plays a crack LAPD detective, um, and they want to nab a serial killer who has been laying waste to uh, young women um, across across California. Um, Deke's nose for the little things pr- uh, proves eerily accurate, but his willingness to circumvent the rules embroils Baxter, a kind of clean-cut uh, detective, uh, into a soul-shattering dilemma. And meanwhile, Deke also is wrestling with some ghosts from the past when he used to be an, a crack LAPD detective uh, like uh, like Baxter. This uh, is directed by John Lee Hancock, who um, listeners will remember directed The Blind... Uh, wrote, sorry, The Blind Side. Um, also and directed, also Saving Mr. Banks, The Founder, The Highwaymen... Um, so you know he has real form in 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 kind of period set um, and this is set firmly in 1990 um, everything in this looks great it's it's all 1990s based all 1990s set um, and you know you have all the old kind of 1990s cars and you know donut eating cops and all <laughs> that kind of thing um, so I really liked the the, the setting of this um, those of you that have seen the trailer um, this this doesn't offer a spoiler, but obviously Jared Leto or Jared Leto is in there as a um, as as a potential suspect, and we see him in the trailer, you know, being interviewed. Um, basically, this performance of his is uh, one of the most cartoonish comic book type uh, performances of his, and and I include the fact that he he played the Joker in <laughs> Suicide Squad. Yeah, it's so unusual and so different in tone to the rest of the film like he kind of 
the the film is very dark and you know and kind of meandering and crime scene investigations and sitting in diners having conversations over hot coffee you know kind of quasi you know michael mann type territory um very zodiac you know as mm-hmm. well i would say david finch's zodiac very on on you know on, uh, in the same kind of tone to that um and then jared leto wanders into this film and chews up every single piece of scenery um as this as as this kind of wise cracking um uh, potential perpetrator called albert sparmer um, <laughs> and um and he's got these kind of weird contact lenses in that make his eyes brown but like kind of black kind of dead he's got like a kind of fake nose on the performance reminded me of tom cruise in tropic thunder <laughs> right okay if that makes sense yeah if everything that denzel or rami throw at him in the interview room for example he throws back some kind of quip they give him some crime scene photos and he's flicking through them and he's like, oh, the contrast is all out on this one. <laughs> it's just like... Right. It's so weird. It's so weird. Um, and without any spoilers, uh, it, it wraps it up in a very unusual way. I, it lost me at the end. It, it lost me within that, that last ending kind of scene. Um it kind of goes for it goes for fincher but it comes out you know kind of tropic thunder levels of stupidity right um and uh it doesn't quite hit the mark for me this is a film that i only really heard about about four weeks ago having seen the trailer on i on the imdb app right okay. it wasn't one that i was excited for gestating you know kind of gestating um and, and building up to which is amazing considering the oscar level put actors that you have in here yeah um alongside all of this uh from a female cast perspective pretty much every female player in this is sidelined this is very much you know a a testosterone fueled movie um some of the dialogue is ridiculous um and you know sometimes that kind of testosterone level dialogue could be carried off by the likes of a de niro a Pacino, a Gyllenhaal, even yeah. as seen in Zodiac, but here with, with these three, uh, it just doesn't hit home. Rami Malek, I feel like maybe miscast in this. Uh, Denzel Washington obviously put on a lot of weight for this. He's got a really dumpy kind of physique in this. Not to body shame him, um, but it's just it's just a very 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 strange film. Um, that being said, there's a lot to like about it for a throwaway you know crime thriller. Um, it looks magnificent. It's filmed really, really well. Mm. Um, it's got a nice score by Thomas Newman, um, you know, from who's you know done a lot of the, the a lot of great movies, you know, from the likes of American Beauty to some of the latest Bond films, um, you know. So worth sitting down, worth a watch on a Sunday afternoon. Not for me, unfortunately, a, a high recommendation, um, but you know, it's worth a couple of hours to sit down and, and watch. And where can they see that? So they can see that on HBO Max um, or in cinemas right now. So um, depending on where you are. I believe in Europe, HBO Max isn't currently available. But they may be tying up certain agreements with the likes of Sky Broadcasting or Amazon Prime. So you might be able to stream this or watch it on one of those. Um, But if you are living in a region where you have cinemas that are open, then you can pay for a ticket and go and watch this right now. Sounds good. 
Oh, actually, on that on that note, because I just asked you where it's here, it might be worth you mentioning the app that you recommended to me, which I did use yesterday. Yes. So this is a, a been a been a bit of an issue during uh, quarantine, especially with all of these new streaming apps. So I I currently subscribe to Hulu, Disney Plus, Netflix, Amazon Prime, CBS All Access, Peacock, and maybe some more. <laughs> um, you basically have to go through each of these to find the movie that you want to watch someone recommends something you have to look into each one yeah. individually there's a new app that you can you can download on your app store um whether it's android or or apple uh called just watch so just watch just type that into your app store and it will find for you the movie that you want you just type in you know spies like us for example i typed it in and it pulled up hbo max and there it was available to stream and i could open it directly from the film directly from within just watch and it would open up the the hbo max platform it also tells you where you can rent or buy yeah so it also gives you that option to buy on amazon for example or uh, or apple for example apple tv plus which is another one i didn't mention that i also have <laughs> um so so it, you know it's really made things convenient for me especially you know when looking up certain things to watch for video sort of yeah. corner or to review i used it last night um, for spies like us did you I put spies like us in because right. it wasn't available on anything else and i saw that you could rent it on amazon prime video so i rented it from prime video you could rent it from like you know it tells you prime video youtube or, or google movies or whatever uh, that yeah. was over here so yeah I, it's good for your location as well i think no matter where you are it'll tell you where it's available yeah so I've, I've been using it in the us you've been using it in the uk we're not sponsored by just no, watch if they want to get in touch it's just, it, <laughs> no yeah but it's just been a, an efficiency that's really made our lives a lot easier and a lot more practical to to find things to watch so uh, just watch worth a download all right enough of the fake promotion that we just did uh, and time for this Welcome to Video Store Corner. This week, we are we have a comedy. Finally, after all the heady drama of the review section, Phil, open the doors, take a look around, breathe in that smell of that nice, warm, rewinding hardware <sighs> and video playing mm. technology. Well, I just trodden some bubble gum. Please do. You're gonna pick. You've got some bubble gum. I just trodden some on the floor. Oh, it's classic. I'm supposed to get that off the carpet. <laughs> um. What would you like to rent this week, Phil? Um, please do tell our listeners. Could I have, please, this um, 1985 comedy starring Chevy Chase and Dan Aykroyd? Um, oh, it's Spies Like Us. Here we go. <laughs> um, so, do you want to give us the plot summary of this? Film? Okay. Because I'll be honest, I hadn't seen this. I'd never. You've seen never it. seen it. I'd never seen oh, it. Oh my word! Okay. Luckily, I've watched it now, so we can talk okay. about it, but I'd never seen this. So it's Spies Like Us, starring Chevy Chase, Dan Aykroyd. Please give us the uh, the plot summary okay. of this. So, look, looking for a way out of their mundane government jobs, Austin Milbarge, Dan Aykroyd, and Emmett Fitzhume, Chevy Chase, take the entrance exam for a CIA espionage program. Immediately chosen to take part in a top-secret mission in the Middle East by the officious General Slyne, by Steve Forrest, um, the new recruits are set upon by Soviet forces in Afghanistan, 
Soon it becomes clear that the hapless pair are being used as decoys to expose the Russians for a Cold War nuclear showdown. <laughs> it's very 80s. This it's well set. 80s, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean... Let's talk a little bit about... Let's talk a little bit about the characters. Yeah. So... Um, so you've got uh, you've got Chevy Chase. We first see Chevy Chase as Emmett Fitzhume. These two are basically patsies. They have no idea what they're doing. They get roped into this thing because the U.S. government want to exploit them in order to conduct um, to basically set off a nuclear nuclear war with with Russia. Typical 1980s American U.S. plot. Yeah. Okay. Oh, it's the Russians. We first see. <laughs> yeah. So we <laughs> Russians. So we first see Emmett. Fitzhume, uh, Chevy Chase. He's sitting in a you know a CIA office somewhere, with his feet up on the desk, with his Walkman headphones on, uh, watching a, a a musical for some reason, <laughs> and absolutely loving it. Um, and finding out that he's supposed to be studying for a test. Obviously, you know he completely forgotten, or he didn't realize, or he didn't really care. And he just assuredly said that he would pass the test. It doesn't matter, even if the test was tomorrow morning. Um, so he's kind of this, uh, you know, arrogant, egotistical, um, chaotic, uh, woman obsessed, um, you know, madman, basically. I mean, he's completely insane. Uh, and then you've got um, Austin Milbarge, who is Dan Aykroyd. And we first see him. He's working in a, in a what appears to be a boiler room, yeah. in a subterraneous boiler room. Um putting together research and data for a, a random military officer, uh, basically the bitch of this military officer. And Aykroyd is, he's much more studious, much more intelligent, and certainly more hands-on, but he has he's no kind of world uh, awareness, does he? He's, he's not really, you know, aware of how things work. No. He's not really good at forming, you know, relationships with women. And he's, he's kind of the opposite side of the coin to, to Chevy Chase's character. Yeah. And uh, it's basically Dumb and Dumber become uh, become spies. <laughs> yeah, would you say? Although they they both have a level of one has a level of social intelligence, the other one has a level of technical intelligence. So tell me, Phil, which one would you say that you are? <laughs> Look, listen now. When we watch this, when I, when I watch this, that this f uh, film is starring me and you, isn't it? It's absolutely. Uh, I am sad to admit, one hundred percent, Austin Milbarge, Dan Aykroyd. You are. Dan I actually, Aykroyd. my day job, I actually work in a basement, uh, <laughs> fixing things. It's my. Uh, it's true. As soon as I saw the basement, and I knew it was going to be the introduction to Dan Aykroyd's character. As soon as I saw that, I went, "Yeah." So this is this is a doc documentary about Phil. Yeah. Uh, at every point, at every point, Chevy Chase is, uh, he's, he's on mission and then he's distracted by any, basically one, any to, female to communicate with him. <laughs> any female. Yeah. He's, he's, that's it. He's lost forever. While basically it's about me and you, you're permanently distracted by women while I sort out the technical aspects and keep us alive. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was Chevy Chase. Actually, maybe not. Chevy Chase is a fucking not awesome. now. Yeah, he's a dick. 
Yeah, but um, but he's great in this. But no, I definitely like if you. I think if you just you know wanted to characterize us, you could characterize us like like these two clowns. <laughs> couldn't you? If we starred in a nineteen eighties action comedy, it would be it this. It would be this. It would. And we wouldn't have to do much <laughs> to acting. Oh, let's let's change the podcast to called Spies Like Us. Um, <laughs> Pods like us. <laughs> uh, so. Yeah. Wow. Sorry, you were saying something. No. Yeah. No, I just got to agree with you. I think <laughs> it's just um, it's not. You know, there's a lot. There's a lot of good stuff in this, but it's not the best film, is it? It's not the best eighties comedy. It, it's got the the driest opening to a comedy movie I think I've ever yeah. seen. A random man in kind of a meatpacking district gets a uh, gets a suitcase strapped to his wrist and he's walking down a street for about five minutes while the camera the follows, camera follows the van that he gets into for far too long <laughs> like the yeah. credits are rolling over that but it's like yeah. the longest it's like what's going on have i missed something have i missed someone else getting the van no it's just driving off uh yeah and it's not it's not until he arrives at this office this kind of spy um desk and he, he arrives at this office and the these two gentlemen meet him who become kind of our main kind of antagonist yeah. of sort um and they they're american agents and they make they make this guy that's delivering this courier that's delivering this briefcase get into a closet yeah because it's attached to his wrist <laughs> and, isn't it and he hasn't because got it's attached to his wrist they don't want him to see him open they don't want to see him to see what's inside the case when they open it and they can't get it off his wrist so he climbs in this closet but just his eyes as he looks out of the closet <laughs> as they shut the door that was the part that made me laugh yeah very subtle yeah it starts very, very subtly, doesn't it? Yeah. And then, upon I think, I think upon introduction to Chevy and 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 Dan, that's when things really kick off. And the first time they actually meet is in, is is during the test, isn't it? When they they've got to sit this test, and basically the CIA have said, whoever gets the worst test results will throw them into Russia as a distraction. There'll be a pair of bumbling idiots. They'll create a load of noise. The Russians will go out. The KGB will go after them. And the real two spies that are there to, to, you know, create their own, finish their own mission, you know, the spotlight won't be on them and they'll be able to, you know, conduct their mission, yeah. basically, in silence. So Dan Aykroyd goes into this room. He sits down in basically a classroom and uh, not fairly normally. And then uh, Chevy Chase walks in with an eye patch and an arm and his arm, what you think is his arm in a sling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And a cast. And then uh, proceeds to basically tear the classroom apart, doesn't he? I mean, yeah, he just goes off on some, you know, he's got like answers written inside his eye patch. So he's like pulling that off and like looking at inside the eye patch <laughs> for the answers. And then he's got like this, like this piece of paper that's really long that he pulls out of his mouth and he's reading the answers off the yeah. paper. It's ridiculous, but it's quite funny. He's, it just, it did make me think that his, his physical comedy at this point in his career was unparalleled. Yeah. Like there's, there was no one like he, you know, if, if this, this script you could have had, you could have easily have had, um, uh, I don't know, Bill Murray in the, in the, in this. That's role. what Carly said. You know, my it, wife, she said Bill Murray could have been in this. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you could have had Bill Murray in this role. However, Bill Murray wouldn't have had that level of physical comedy that, for me, notches notched this up slightly higher yeah. in terms of laughs than I think if it had just been, you know, two fairly dry comedians. Mm. Um, and I loved, I did love a lot of the scenes with him. Um, Dan Aykroyd. I also liked his kind of 
will to get things done. Yeah. You know, I really liked, like, he had the will to get things done, and Chevy Chase is just, like, running amok, basically, yeah. isn't it? I quite like the way that Dan, like, he, he just surprises you with his knowledge, like, straight away. Like, he actually does make, he actually makes quite a good agent by the end of it. Like he yeah, knows I mean, when he, he translates Russian. Yeah, when they get picked up by those two guys that they think are their contacts, and he's like, he notices like his wristwatch that's like a copy yeah. of it, and he's like, these aren't these are Russians. These are like. Can I just say I noticed that? <laughs> Did you? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. So uh, there's a lot of good scenes in it, though. Like, what would you say is your favourite scene in this? I I liked the. Um... There's a couple. There's a couple of standout moments. I think I like the surgery scene yeah. where they pretend to be doctors. <laughs> they arrive in a basically a Taliban camp yeah. in in Pakistan, and there's Af- Afghani freedom fighters basically who became the Taliban. And at, the, at this time, they were fighting on the side of of the U.S. or the U.S. were fighting on their side and against the Russians. And uh, these Afghani's anyway, they capture the two these two idiots. And they take them to a camp, and there's a there's a, a tent full of doctor of of kind of Western doctors there. UN, they, not like they UN doctors. In. UN yeah. doctors, yeah. And they they kind of bring them in, and and they pretend to be these two world famous doctors, classic trope. Um, and uh, the chief, the warlord chief's son, um, is is having an a, an inflamed append, appendix. So they ha- they they get asked to go and do the surgery, and obviously you know it doesn't go quite to plan. Um, but I, I really like that. I really like that scene. I thought that was that was really fun. I also like the scene just before that when they're introducing all the doctors. <laughs> doctor and doctor, 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 <laughs> doctor, doctor. And they go through it twice as um, well, like when they're going they in the tent twice. and out of the tent. It was it was a it was a pre Family Guy committed to the joke type Definitely. joke. You know where Family Guy jokes go on, on and on and on, and, on yeah. and you're like, I'm not sure this is funny, and then. The longer it goes on, the funnier it gets. Yeah, I mean, it is the that fact that, that there's like doctor, 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 and then he goes past yeah. the, the female yeah. one, doctor, 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 Do- yeah. and at the end of it, <laughs> Dan Aykroyd, yeah. we're not doctors. <laughs> I, I really like, I really loved as well when, um, uh, when uh, the the female doctor that Chevy chases um, falls immediately in love with the second he sees yeah. her, um, when she she says to him, oh. Um, you know, I've always been a big fan of yours, Doctor Greenbaum, and he's like, "Who?" She's like, "That's you. You're, you're Doctor Greenbaum." He's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, of course." She's like, "Oh, Homer, I really, I uh, really do want to see you uh, complete this appendix surgery." He's like, "Who's Homer?" She's like, "That's you." He's like, "Yeah, I know, I know. I'm just testing you." He's <laughs> just like, and then he like, yeah, he like trips over like some like pots and pans and stuff. And like, I mean, that's just Clark, oh, that's just, just Clark Griswold, brilliant. like in a nutshell. Yeah, it was it? very much so. Um, yeah just like that weird sort of like he's sort of cocksure but he's really um clumsy awkward yeah yeah um yeah clumsy yeah and and like dan acro comes in the tent and he's like just start just at that moment just started kissing this female doctor and dan acro comes in the tent and he just turns around he's mouthing like expletives to <laughs> yeah. him that you can't <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really like that scene. What about you? What about you? What do you say? Um, was your favourite? I think that was that was one. I really like the one where he's getting um, his. They capture like they they march across the, the sort of you know the mountains and that in the snow, and then um, they yeah. get onto this road, and then the Russian uh, police sort of like turn their headlights on and catch them, and Dan Aykroyd yeah. is sort of like 
fuck it, I'm out of here. And he like runs off, like getting shot out of the machine <laughs> jumps, gun. He just, jumps off the side of the cliff. <laughs> yeah. um, while Chevy Chase just stands there. So he gets caught by um, the Russian police and the two KGB agents that you'd seen earlier in the thing. And they're interrogating him in, in this like police hut thing on the side of the road, like a, a checkpoint thing. And uh, one of my favourite bits, in it, a favorite, in fact, favourite lines in the film is when... Um, one of the interrogators goes, every minute you don't tell us why you are here, I cut off a finger. And he's holding this like massive knife, isn't he? And he's like holding it and mm. it goes close up and he's got it right in his, like, near his finger. He's cutting his glove and stuff. And, he, and then Jeffy Chasers goes, mine or yours? And he goes, yours. <laughs> and then Jeffy Chasers goes, damn. <laughs> and it's just stupid lines oh, like that. It's just silly there's scenes. Some really... There's some really stupid lines. I think talking about favorite lines, um, there's a scene when they 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 get. I, I was going to say they 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 parachute, but they get pushed out of the plane <laughs> during their training, and they land in the in a in the middle of the woods, and uh, they kind of they're on their own. They look at each other and they hear like an animal noise, like a, <laughs> and uh, Chevy Chase turns to Dan Aykroyd and says, "What was that?" And Dan Aykroyd says, "It's a dick fur." And he's like, "What's a dick fur?" He's like, "It's a peewee." <laughs> yeah. It's like, what? Why? <laughs> so right. Yeah, it's like, it doesn't make any sense. I felt like that was improvised. I felt like Probably that was improvised. Was. The other, I felt like the other one I really like is um, when uh, Dan Aykroyd goes to Chevy Chase. He's like, for God's sake, show some balls. <laughs> and he, he says, I think it's too late to try and impress them. <laughs> <laughs> such a good... That's a Chevy Chase such line. A That's Chevy got Chase to be line. a Chevy Chase line. Yeah. Um, what about with the when they they find the the Russian uh, intercon- uh, intercontinental ballistic missile in the middle of the woods, <laughs> and uh, Ackroyd and uh, Chase go down the, the the cliff to distract them, dressed as aliens with like wrapped in like fairy lights, got like upside down <laughs> umbrellas on their head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very <laughs> odd. And uh, they're they're kind of there, and the, the Russians are kind of talking, and they start to freak out because they see these two come down the side of the cliff. And uh, and and obviously Ackroyd's the only one that can speak Russian. So Chevy Chase turns to him and says, "What are they? Uh, what are they saying?" And uh, and Ackroyd says something about hair, hairbrush, ha- headrest. <laughs> and Chevy Chase goes, "Geez, where'd you learn your Russian, Jason?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, you know what's weird though? You know, you said about the the, the uh, parachute scene, like where they get mm. they jump out the plane. Did you recognise mm. the guy that pushed him out of the plane? The one that like got was like, right, go, go, go. I did recognise him. He, uh, it's so funny because we mentioned him during our video store corner for Highlander. It's Christopher Malcolm again, isn't it? The, Hello. <laughs> the crazy uh, GI mercenary guy from Highlander yep. and from yep. that episode of Only Falls and Horses that I talked about during that episode. I just thought it was really funny that he was in this as well. I felt like part of this was filmed in the UK. Is that right? Uh, it definitely had that feeling of. It feels there like were some maybe. moments in this. I don't know. I, not that I'd seen from the from the notes, but it... the training scenes for me, they were also wearing um, uh, what we used to call in the military DPM on their helmets, yeah. which was a uh, which is the British camouflage. And I felt like a lot of the extras, the area that they were filming, it looked. I don't know. It looked like the UK. Also, you know, John Landis, the director, who we haven't really mentioned. No. Um, you know, obviously, he's got a lot of uh, a lot of credits that were filmed in 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 the UK as well. Mm. So um, you know, lot, lot, a lot of a lot of movies. But um, I, this was it, it was interesting. This was definitely one of my I don't know about you, but one of my uh, I would say least favorite John Landis 
comedy. Yeah, it's lower down than you know because what did he, he? You know, he's done Coming to America and um, mm-hmm. uh, Blues Brothers and Trading Places yep. as well. Three Amigos. I'd yep. say, yeah, it's lower down that list for me as the favourite um, for the other stuff he's done. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I, th- hence, you know, I hadn't actually seen it as well, which was weird. So. It was one of those. I don't think it was that popular. It wasn't up there with Three Amigos. Do you know no. what I mean? When Three Amigos came out, that was a big. That was a fairly big. Yeah. Hit, or at least well known. Trading Places is a classic. Yeah. Blues Brothers, Animal House. You know, yeah. he, Land, Landis has got a lot of a lot of great credits, and for me, this didn't quite hit it. One one of the things I did like about this is it's clearly a Dan Aykroyd script, mm. or in part a Dan Aykroyd script, because of the level of detail that they go into on a lot of technology Definitely. or terminology a lot of the 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 kind of norad type um cia bunker scenes in like the, the missile launch type facility it all felt very authentic yeah. like you knew Ackroyd had done his his research and all this stuff do you yeah. know what i mean and was obsessed with the level of detail yeah that he was going to put into a lot of the terminology um so i i enjoyed that for that for the Ackroydness for sure yeah um do you want some trivia Yes, let's go. Uh, Phil's trivia <laughs> section. I still need to do it. I'm going to do it. I've got. I've got to record a jingle for this. Um, so, talking about sort of recasting Chevy Chase, the role was yeah. originally intended for John Belushi. Is that yeah. right? Um, and definitely could have seen that. Yeah, would have worked really well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was thinking that. I was thinking this could be John Belushi, John Candy. You could have had in these roles. Yeah, easy. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Um, this was a good little story, actually. So, as a, as a guest on the Chevy Chase show in '93, uh, Dan Aykroyd tells a story about um, him and Chevy Chase being pursued by a truck full of paratroopers while on location in Morocco. Uh, Aykroyd had taken a snapshot of the military unit who then pursued them at high speeds back to their hotel where they (laughs) evaded detection by abandoning their jeep and hiding inside a van with curtains in the windows Uh, the next day, this is brilliant the next day as a prank, Aykroyd had John Landis tell Chase that he had been arrested and should expect them to be coming for him next (laughs) that's brilliant um I thought that was pretty good. Um, apparently, th- this film was inspired by Bob Hope and Bing Crosby's road movies, um, thus explaining Bob Hope's uh, cameo appearance, which is very odd. Yeah, <laughs> like, so it was a weird. random cameo. Wasn't He's like it? playing a round of golf through the tent that they're standing in, yeah. and he says, "Doctor, doctor, <laughs> when are they coming? Doctor, doctor, yeah, uh, doctor, doctor," and then disappears. Um, actually, there's the really cool fact that. It's you know the the sort of John Landis trademark of featuring other people, so other filmmakers mm-hmm. in his film. So this was you see a lot of people. I don't know if you picked up on many of these, but uh, I certainly picked up on seeing Sam Raimi uh, yeah. and the Coen Brothers. Um, yeah. And then you've got Frank Oz who plays the Terry Gilliam. Uh, Terry Gilliam. He plays one of the Doctors. Uh, yeah. Michael Apted. Um, uh, yeah, you've got sort of Ray uh, Ray Harryhausen and yeah, lo- yeah, he was one of the doctors as well, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, so you got loads of people in this. It's really cool, like to see um, 
a difference. Who were the Coens? They this? were in. So they were. One of them was standing next to Sam Raimi when they go into the drive-through cinema in the uh, yes. thing, and then when they go around the corner, you know, they, before they go to get a Pepsi, <laughs> and there's yeah, like some people yeah. standing outside, including BB King. <laughs> just, just odd. Was BB King? Out yeah, there? with the glasses on. Like, yeah, who tells oh, him to go inside and get a Pepsi? Because uh, yeah. I think John Landis had done a film with BB King previously, so he's in a right. few things that he's done. So yeah, BB King's there, and the other Cohen brother is there <laughs> with another with another couple of the directors that I couldn't put faces to name. Was Raimi the one with the long hair? No, Raimi had the short hair with a cap on at the gate, like that let the car yeah. through. He's... But there was one with the long hair. Yeah, as that, well, I think that's one of the Coens. Ah, uh, okay. and then the other one yeah. was yeah, yeah. with BB King and stuff around the corner. Yeah, because it was Larry Cohen, but not, uh, not Ethan, uh, yeah, Charles, not Ethan. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah very well. Yeah, it was very odd, but it was good to see. Good to see different um, cameos in there. Um, I love that. I didn't pick up on all of those. That's crazy. But I, de- I definitely picked up on on Frank Oz. Obviously, is the in in the vigilator and Terry Gilliam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Frank Oz was brilliant in that as well. I was just so, so pissed off the whole time. Um, uh, more trivia. Only a couple. So Do- Donna Dixon, who plays the female um, agent the um, that Chevy Chase falls immediately in love with, uh, and Dan Aykroyd, they're married. Wow. And I think still married now. Like They've been together since 1980. I think they met or they tied the knot after working together on Dr. Detroit in '83. So they wow. were together when this was made in '85. I mean, I just want to say congratulations, Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, punch in there. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, and yeah, and so yeah, they're married. So they've they've done different stuff together. They've done various films and bits and pieces. Yeah. And then lastly, so the film originally ended with the destruction of the world, as <laughs> um, caused by. Dan Aykroyd and Chevy Chase. Letting off the rocket, yeah. But uh, yeah. test audiences didn't like it, so a new, happier ending was shot on a soundstage in Burbank. That would make sense because there was a scene, there was a background scene where they were congratulating each other mm-hmm. and uh, and, Dan, and Chevy Chase turns to him and says, oh, can I get, can I borrow your tent? Yeah, that's right. Can, can I borrow right? your tent? <laughs> yeah. You got a tent? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that whole lot on the soundstage with the, Missile or whatever was probably just redone. Yeah, I just read here it was it was filmed at Pinewood Studios, so there was oh, definitely there I think then. there was definitely yeah. something there. Yeah, there was like the outside of a soundstage you saw when they were training as well, yeah. which looked like a it looks like a hangar. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think I figured. Yeah. I did figure you know that. what? So I guess a lot of those extras. You know what else was cool about that as well? It's like all of the military guys doing the hut 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 hut, hut <laughs> which yeah, they yeah, do yeah. in um. Uh, the Blues Brothers as well. It's like the Blues trademark Brothers. again, isn't it? <laughs> and I think they do that in uh, Stripes as well with Bill Murray. They do the hut. I feel like it's not do. a John Landis film, I don't think. But uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's weird. But yeah, so that was uh, <laughs> Spies Like Us. Anything you want to add? Would you recommend Spies? I like would. Us I him? would. It's not terrible. It's it's always good to see Chevy Chase and like in his prime and it's peak is peak yeah, chase peak Chevy chase isn't yeah. it yeah dan Aykroyd's brilliant in it but i think he's brilliant in pretty much anything he does anyway i mean this this came out the same year as fletch yeah yeah which you know kind of and it came out a year after ghostbusters oh and by the way while we're on ghostbusters of course this was written by Aykroyd. Yep. soundtrack elmer bernstein yeah 
same same uh, same composer. Yeah. And there were some moments in it that were very Ghostbusters. Yeah, there were. Yeah. When the alien, when they come down as they, they when they come down aliens, the side of the yeah. cliff as aliens, yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed actually the score to this. I thought it was really, really yeah. good. Um, actually, that fit that yeah that song that they're playing. Sorry, just to go again, another bit of mm. trivia. The song that they're playing, you know, when they see the rocket for the first time and the, the Russians are dancing yep. to a song. I think, and again, yeah. is a link. I can't remember. Is it Soul? <sighs> what was it called? Soul World, something, or something like that. I can't remember who it was by, but yeah. it's like the Bar yeah. Raz or something like that. But yeah, he um... Soul Soul. Here we go. Soul Finger. That's it. Yeah. So um, Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi recorded that on the Blues Brothers, like one of the albums, like that they did as a the blue ah. the, the Blues Brothers band. So they did like a live version of that. So they, that's yeah. why he probably like put the song in there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was funny when they when they say what they, they hear that first. They hear the song first, and they're in the middle of like Siberia or whatever, yeah. and they're walking along, and and Chevy Chase kind of like listening, and Dan Aykroyd goes, "That's uh, Soulfinger," and uh, by the Barcays, yeah, and uh, Chevy Chase goes, "They must be struggling to find the woods." It's hard to recreate these jokes because, like, they're like when you watch them, they're they're little like things that just make you kind of guffaw, don't yeah. they? You hear them, you just go, huh. yeah. You know, it's that kind of humor. I enjoyed it. You know, it's not it's not one of, it's not a classic for obvious reasons. Um, it's slightly imbalanced, I think, comedy to drama in places. Yeah. Um, but you've got some really you've got two really really good central performances from Chevy Chevy Chase and Dan Aykroyd, really nicely written by Dan Aykroyd. It's if you're a big fan of Dan Aykroyd, I'd definitely recommend that. Or of course Chevy Chase. Um, all in all, worth worth a watch. Um, I think I'm going to change my name to Emmett Fitzhume. Yeah, I'm now, now known as Austin Milbarge. <laughs> Austin. <laughs> all right. Well. We'll uh, be sure to write uh, any letters of complaint to the Schmechtel Corporation. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that was Video Store Corner, and that was this week's podcast. On next week's Movie Mouth Film and TV podcast, we've got some incredible new releases to discuss. Uh, we are also circling a couple of interviews for this year, so we will be back to our usual program of interviews uh, from people behind the scenes in the filmmaking world. And, of course, we'll have the latest film news, uh, trailer breakdowns, and uh, crappy banter, you could say. Um, but if you do, if you love listening to our podcast, um, please do give us a like or throw us some uh, five-star reviews on your podcast player of choice. Um, you can obviously download the episode and do subscribe as well. It's really important that you subscribe um, so that you get the latest episode automatically downloaded to your podcast player of choice. Phil. Yes. What was that noise? What? That's me going. Yes. Oh. oh. Sounded like oh. a. Sounded like a. Sounded like a dick for. What's a dick for? To be with. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Bye, Phil. <laughs> bye, bye. <laughs>